the last time we saw each other, I I feel like you had very, very, very short hair. Like I've so had very, short. very short hair. And then I, you know, I've tried this new mix, this yeah. new uh, head and shoulders mix. And since as, then, as seen on TV, right? Yeah. You know, and then it comes, you know, it comes with ears and everything. It's really great. <laughs> a bit trollish though, I'm thinking. Great for my TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, it'll be better. It'll be better. Because now we're like best friends. We're best friends. Like we can just talk all the time. I've actually missed talking to y'all. This is the messy back end, where experts share customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on behind the beautifully branded front end of entrepreneurship. This is where most businesses fail. So we're here to help you save time, make money, and succeed. Welcome, thank you. Thank you all so much. We have a wonderful show for you today. According to our expert, Jeff Harry, we need more play in our life. While we spend most of our time pretending to be important, serious grown-ups, it's when we let go of that facade and just play that the real magic happens. Fully embracing your own nerdy genius, whatever that is, gives you the power to make a difference and change lives. Jeff believes that we already have many of the answers we seek, and by simply unleashing our inner child, we can find our purpose and in turn, help to create a better world. Business is stressful. It's how we put food on the table, keep a roof over our heads, and how we share our purpose with the world. Building a business starts as a passion, but then often life gets sucked out of our passion through toxic work environments. It could be from our team, low sales, or even from our own internal struggle. No matter where it comes from, we need to deal with it to reach success. Gary Chapman once said, when a workplace becomes toxic, its poison spreads beyond its walls and into the lives of its workers and their families. On our expert segment today, we're going to be speaking with Jeff Harry. Jeff is absolutely hilarious and you're going to love this episode. He shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled all by playing. Jeff has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, and the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into their day-to-day. Jeff is an international speaker who has presented at conferences such as Inbound, South by Southwest, and Australia's PauseFest, showing audiences how major issues in the workplace can be solved using play. Jeff was selected by Bamboo HR and Engage Lee, as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2020 for his organizational development work around dealing with toxic people in the workplace. His play work has most recently been featured in the New York Times article, How Do We Add More Play to Our Grown-Up Life, Even Now? He has also been featured on AJ+, Soul Pancake, and SF Chronicles, as well as CNN. And you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the messy backend exposed, our expert Jeff will not only share his experience, expertise, and the tools he suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but you will also expose how to play through the toxic message. 
If you're an entrepreneur with a messy back end and you would like to submit your question or story for our experts, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Messy Backend, brought to you by our digital marketing agency, Lock and Load Marketing, where if it tires you out, you can hire it out. We wanted to take a minute and stop and thank you for being such great listeners. Seriously, we can't do this without you. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us these last two years. We've loved sharing our expert guests, our stories, our experiences, our embarrassing, messy backends, bloopers with you. We've just loved everything about this podcast. And if you love the show as much as we do, we want to hear from you. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or email us at hello at themessybackend.com. Who knows? Soon we may just have cool branded swag to give out to our top fans. That's going to be super cool. And don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. You can find all of those links at themessybackend.com slash subscribe. So never miss an episode because they're pretty fun. Then check us out on Facebook and YouTube for video episodes. Now on to our expert, Jeff Harry, for his expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. Today, we have a messy back-end question submitted by one of our listeners. They say, when I started my business, I started it with so much purpose and passion. Now I feel like I'm going to burst into tears every day when I sit down at my desk. My team is doing a good job, but the passion is gone because all we do is work, work, work. How can I bring the light back into my team's eyes and my heart? You should know this is my question um, because Nate's boring me to death. (laughs) I would ask this question of yourself. What look at your whole day or the whole week and be like, part of my work that I do is the work where if I wasn't get paid, I would still do it. What is the work that I would do that where I forget about time? Um, You know, I define play as any, you know, joyful act where you literally forget about time, where there is no purpose, there is no result. You don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You're just fully engaged in the moment. You're fully in love with the process. What is that for that person? And identify, does, does that still exist? How many hours am I currently doing that flow work? Uh, Marcus Buckingham refers to it as red thread work. Uh, Gay Hendricks refers to it as your zone of genius. You got your zone of incompetence, things you suck at. Zone of competence, things you're average at. Zone of excellence, things that you're really good at, which I think most of the company is doing, right? But you're not getting much from it. But your zone of genius is the work that makes you come alive. Where is that? Identify that and then be like, how can I do just a little bit more of that every day? Because that will actually have a ripple effect on all the the rest of the work that you do. Yeah. Remembering why am I doing this in the first place and going back to the whole thing, like when we started our businesses, right, we all said, I want to start a business because I want to change this or affect this or help someone with this. And then we get into it and we do bookkeeping and event planning and, um, you know, all the the back end messy, boring stuff. And we get wrapped up in that and our energy just starts to tank. Yeah. I mean, I remember this happened to me when I was running the, our Lego inspired STEM program that we built 
opened people to like 400 people, right? And became like a large organization in the country. The reason I was doing that was I was trying to create a safe space for nerds to hang out because there was no STEM camp in 2004, right? There was, there was just all these sports camps and no place for all the people that were like me, the nerds, the weirdos, the people that were just like, I want to do things, but I don't want to do that thing. But, but once the market got saturated, then it was just like, well, what am I doing here? Like, what's the purpose of me doing this? So then either I have to reinvent and find new ways in which with this company, or maybe I need to move on. And that was the question that I had to do. And I chose to move on and create my own thing. I love that. Yeah. And that's not necessarily saying that like you gave up or anything. It's you had a goal. Your goal was to provide a safe space, a great fun place to hang out. And that's what you had. And then once it was available to everyone, you didn't need to do that anymore because it was available. Your job was done. You created not just one, you created hundreds. If you want to look at it that way, like take claim to that, Jeff, be like, yes, I started STEM camps, you know, that's, that's what you did. So now you can step away, do something else. Now your, your goal, your passion is teaching people to play, right? Like that's really it. So yeah, your goals evolve. And I think there's something about like you actually believing that you always have to keep the same story, right? Like what, what I hear in that question is this thing of like, well, I should feel the way I used to feel. No, you don't. Why, have you, why would you feel the way you used to feel? Like that doesn't show growth. Obviously things are evolving. So like maybe this is this actual uncomfortability that you're having this, this partly this burnout is because you're rubbing up against your old self with your new self. And being like, what do I need to change to challenge myself? Because the because you know, just like I used to love to sweep to the deep end of the pool, now I'm like, the deep end of the pool is not very scary anymore. Am I ready to go out in the ocean? Because like, man, what I need to do? It's time for me to grow some more. Oh, I really like that. Uh, I've I've obviously heard about growth and change and stuff like that, but I love where you said it's like you're old, new, and you're new, new you are rubbing up against each other. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I think that is the problem. Sometimes we, we don't want to let go, even though we want to grow and you have to let go in order to grow. But we say, no, that was my passion. That's what I used to do. And that's what got me to where I am today, which is great. Yep. yep. Accept that. Thank that old past, you know, uh, Marie Kondo, 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 Marie yep. Kondo. She goes, when, when we're done with things, thank them for, for the joy that they have brought and then let it go. And I, I think we could do that same thing with the non-physical things. You know, it's not just decluttering our closets, but it's decluttering our past selves so that we can grow and move forward. Dropping knowledge right now, Nate. Let's go. No, I mean, I did that with my, my house, um, my, you know, my house that I grew up in, you know, my whole life, I remember hugging each room and I literally hugged each wall, but there was something about, and then I filmed it just because I was like, I got to capture this, but I filmed it because there was something about being able to let go of like, do I want to let go of that old self or, you know, because it's really scary to enter out into that new world, right? But like, that's where all of the excitement is. That's where all the adventures are. Like Will Smith said this when he like bungee jumped out of a helicopter and he goes, on the opposite side of fear is everything you've always wanted. 
And I've been talking about this more and more. So I love that we're having this conversation now, but I've been talking about how um, I now see play as the opposite of perfection. And why I say that is perfection is like rooted in shame and ego. And when you're playing, you don't really have shame. You actually can't play when you feel shame. Right. But I think of the people that I like to hang out with the most. They are shameless. They do not care what other people have to say. They're the first people on the dance floor. They're the first people to like wear a costume. They just don't care. I mean, they still care and we all care a little bit, but they care less. We just care less about what society is telling us what to do. But so now I always ask myself, is my work or my decision that I'm about to make, is it driven by perfection, ego, and shame? Or is it being driven by play, experimentation, and curiosity? Because that's how many businesses are built, play, experimentation, and curiosity. But then once they get really serious, then it's all about perfection. And that's when they start to die. Well, because your your whole end goal changes if you are being affected by what everybody else. I mean, we talk about imposter syndrome all the time, and I think that you become that, right? So, like, if you created a new shoe, you're constantly trying to say, am I as good as these other brands, where you should just be focusing on your shoe. You know what I mean? And, like, remember where you came from and where you want to go. And I love that you say that uh, living shamelessly, because I know for me, I'm 51% introvert, 49% extrovert, and it's hard for me to use that 49%. But when I do, when I really let go and I just kind of relax and be whoever I want to be and really allow myself to dream those really big dreams, that's when things really start to happen is when I let go and I just, there's like this release. It's a, it's a flow. Like you talked about, Brendan Bouchard talks about it too, that when you are in a high performance state, you are in flow with your energy around you and everything that's going on around you. And you are going toward where you're supposed to be going toward, not just standing still. No, I love that. And let's, let's actually break down the science behind that. Right? So what is actually yeah. happening in your brain when you go from a beta state to a flow state, what's actually happening is, is your, your brain is experiencing hypnofrontality where your prefrontal cortex, an actual part of it, is, is shutting down. The inner critic part, the part that's super mean to you, that main voice in your head, actually starts to quiet and your implicit mind shows up. So you become highly creative. You get this shot of dopamine. And then all of a sudden, instead of focusing on one result as adults do really well, because expectations are the thief of joy and uh, us adults love to have a result. I must get that result. Instead, you get this shot of dopamine and you become highly curious and see all of the opportunities in front of you. And you've felt this when you've traveled and you're like, what do you want to do today? And you're like, I don't know. Yes, maybe I'll jump. Well, we'll do this. Let's do that. Ooh, I'll hop on this moped. Hey, let's go to a deserted island. Hey, let's go to this party under the moon. All of a sudden you're meeting the love of your life. And you're like, how did I get here? Because you were open to just saying yes and following your feet. As my friend, Amy Angelili would always say, it's like, follow your feet, follow your curiosity and see where that adventure actually takes you. There is so much great knowledge in there. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking of is just an example when you're saying, you know, when we don't have that that ego or that perfectionism and we're driven just by, 
okay, let's do it. Um, so for years, I've always told myself, I'm like, oh, I'm not a great painter. I'm not a great artist, even though I'm artistic. And people have told me that with photography and other things, but I thought, oh, I can't paint. And then last year, I have a friend who was hosting a virtual painting party, and it was a fundraiser for, you know, a nonprofit. And I said, you know what, I'll participate in that. Sure. Like, I'll, I'll pay the $20 and I'll go spend, you know, hundreds more on Amazon for all the supplies that I didn't have. But I was like, all right, let's do this. Like, this is fun. And I'm not going to be in a classroom full of other people. Nobody's going to see my painting. Yeah. I'm just going to have fun. This This will be great. And so I'm doing it and I'm following along. And honestly, she started going quicker than I was wanting. And so I couldn't think about perfectionism and I couldn't think about, Oh, I, it needs to be this way. I just had to, I just had to do. And I'm like, Oh wait, now I need to mix these paints. And I'm, I was exhausted by the end of this 90 minutes. Cause I'm just like working and painting and standing up, flipping the thing over and doing all this stuff. And I was like, even at the end, I was still so, and then sit down, relax and we're done. And they start saying like, Hey, let's, Let's share. Let's share what we've done. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, mine's not great. Mine's mine's not great. People start sharing theirs. And I'm not even comparing mine to theirs. Like, I'm like, oh, hers is good. Oh, whatever. Like, hers is not good. But like, whatever. Like, I don't know. There was like a kid in there. I was like, oh, hers is cute. That's funny. And I'm still looking at mine going, I wish it were better. I wish it were this. this right, right. You know. And then they say, all right, Nate, will you share yours? And I was like, no, I don't want to. And they're like, come on, come on. And they cheer me. And I turn it around and they're like, Nate, that was amazing. I was like, wait, no, not really. Like I messed up here and this one little part and they're like, it looks fantastic. It's, it's great. I love it. I like, okay. So like, she's like, all right, everyone take pictures of it, post it online, do the hashtag, you know, so that we can get more, you know, audience and right. awareness about the, the cause. I said, okay, I'll do it. Not for my own self again, right. but for others. So many people were reaching out to me. They're like, Nate, I had no idea you could paint. I was like, uh -huh. I didn't either. I didn't think I could paint because I always thought too much about it. So when you, when you said, you know, if we, if we just go with it and put that st stuff aside and just have fun, that's when the cr creativity gets that's unleashed because it did. It just, if it just shows up. I, I just heard this guy say this. He goes, his motto is start ugly. Like, he's just like, everything he starts, he knows it's going to be bad. But there's also such a confidence you think of when you're a kid. I remember Ken Robinson was this amazing, uh, uh, tall, you know, professor, was talking about how, like, he was talking to this kid, and this kid was drawing something. He's like, oh, what are you drawing? And she's like, oh, I'm drawing God. And he's like, oh, my gosh, what does God look like? And she's like, you'll find out in a minute. Like, like <laughs> just that confident to be like, you're going to know, trust me. And it's going to be perfect. Like, remember when we felt that way, when we were just willing to just do stuff and, and, and I actually do this as an exercise and people can do this as exercises in their workshops, you know, steal this free for you to, but I actually, at the beginning of many of my workshops, I have people, um, they have one minute to draw a certain person on the screen. Usually I pick one person and everyone has to draw that person on the screen only one minute as quickly as possible, and then they have to put it up in the screen. And of course, everyone, just like you said, Nate, is just apologizing. Like, I'm not an artist. Oh my gosh, I never, never done this. Oh, I apologize. And then, and then, so we do that, and then everyone laughs, and we take a photo. Everything's all great. And then I go, we're doing it again. But now you have 30 seconds. But this time, close your eyes and do it. And then they do it again, and then they lift it up. Sometimes it's better. 
you know, and then they, and they, and I asked them what, which one did you judge yourself less with? And they were like, obviously the one where my eyes are closed. And I was like, why you have less time, you know, you didn't have an, you didn't have all of your senses. And they were like, well, I just didn't treat myself. I didn't, I didn't judge myself. I wasn't hard on myself. And I'm like, that's the mentality we need for the rest of this workshop. Like that is that mentality of just letting go of like all judgment. Stop shooting on yourself. Why are we shooting so much shooting? So exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Shooting is no fun for anybody. And I was actually in counseling on Monday and my counselor explained to me that whenever we're thinking very analytically, or um, thinking about something in the past or something that has hurt us or something I'm thinking that holds us back, we actually think in black and white. Yeah. And when we're being creative and we're thinking, you know, allowing that limbic system to kind of, you know, do its thing, then you're actually thinking in color. And I was, I was kind of listening to the two of you talk. And as Nate was talking, I felt myself thinking in color. And then when he started saying, I don't want to show it, all of a sudden everything went black and white. And I was like, that was kind of interesting to experience that in my own brain because it's just a new concept for me. But I think if you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing as far as like letting yourself go and relaxing and really focusing on the fun stuff in life, the stuff that actually achieves goals and dreams, look at the color in your brain. I don't know. That's such a good point because tying that in is just like, your rational mind is designed to keep you alive. It's part of the survival tendency, but we run to our rational mind to solve our creative problems when it's our intuition that we actually should be leaning towards. Um, and I wanted to, Albert Einstein just, you know, did this or didn't just did, but <laughs> just last week, right? Last just week. Like, he was hanging out, you know, just hanging out with Kanye. He's like, guys, Check him out. and Kanye were on Clubhouse. Him and Einstein. So, to, <laughs> so no, so I had to pull up this quote that uh, that just resonated with me from him, where he goes, "The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift." So even back when he was alive, they we weren't celebrating the intuition. We were celebrating the rational mind. And we need to be careful leaning on the rational mind to answer our, our questions that are for our create creative and intuitive self. And it's funny that we've done that where we've put it on that side, because like you said, that's the rational mind is like what keeps us alive, mm-hmm. you know, but we live in a day and age where Living is relatively easy compared to how it was 10,000 years ago. Like I don't, when I wake up in the morning and I hear a loud noise, I'm not immediately thinking, oh, I'm going to get eaten by a lion. That's not my first thought. It's like, why are my neighbors being annoying? It's, it's noon. How dare you wake me up on a Tuesday at noon with your lawn mowing, you know, but why do we focus on, on that survival, that staying alive? I I think it's easier. It's easier. Like, like during 2020, when we were all sitting around at home, we were like, fight, flight, freeze. We're like trying to use those tendencies. And it was like, there's nothing to be worried about. You're at home. You're safe. Well, then what should I do? What should I do with myself? You know, lack of self-worth equals productivity. Like, you know, I need, you know, hand in hand and I'm not creating anything. So I must be in danger. No, you're not. You're not in danger. You know, so, but people then start questioning like, oh my gosh, I have no meaning 
because I don't have any productivity. And then you have to then ask harder questions like, why am I attaching my self-worth to my productivity? You know, why am I defining myself by my job? I was just telling this to someone the other day, like in other countries, man, people don't lead with what do you, what do you do for a living? They just don't. But we like, it drives everything that we are. And then when that is taken away from us, then we really have to questioning our actual meaning. Yeah. It's the truth. Actually, um, I'm doing this new thing with my woman's network called the I am statement, um, kind of giving this the big push of I am. And one of the things that we need to remember is that we are not what we do. And that just is the first thing like you, we have all been in networking events. And the first question always is, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Actually, I would suggest asking a different question. But here's like my biggest fear is someone asking me, what do you do for fun? Oh, because that's a hard question for me to answer because interesting. what I did for fun on Sunday. So my husband was looking at motorcycles and, you know, side by sides and all this stuff. I was looking at lighting for podcasting <laughs> because I was ordering new lighting. I'm working on my background. I'm working on my lighting. So for me, that is fun. He's like, why? Why is that fun? I'm like, I don't know. It's what I like doing. It it wasn't work. It was just, I like to see what other people are doing. You know, Nate has a thousand plants in his background and I I actually have ordered a picture for my background and I'm excited about that. But that question of what do you do for fun should be a question that we should not have to really struggle to answer. But I know a lot of entrepreneurs do. How do you find your fun, Jeff? Right. Yeah. Oh, so that's a great question. So first off, no one should be judging anyone else's fun because like, <laughs> like I defined earlier, any play is any joyful act where there's no purpose or result, right? So if you want to nerd out on your podcast lighting, you do you, okay? You know, I, I had a client once that was a lawyer and she's like, I don't play at all. And I was like, what do you do? And she goes, I take people that hate each other and I get them to agree on one thing. And I was like, oh, tell me more. And she started nerding out on it. And I was like, that's her play. So everyone's mm-hmm. play is different, man. So mm-hmm. then tying that into like, how do we, well, actually, even before that, let's ask the question. If you don't want to ask the question, what do you do for a living anymore? I love asking these questions at conferences. So when the new normal comes out and you can go back outside and talk to people, I would ask, um, what adventures have you been on recently? Or, or I love asking, what mischief have you been causing? And it's interesting because the, the people that are shameless will be like, well, let me tell you about some of the mischief I actually have. <laughs> uh, the, the people that are following the rules are going to be like, uh, what are you talking about? What do you mean by mischief? I don't cause mischief. And you're like, okay, whatever, sir. Um, so well, we, they, when they do that, we know they're not our people. Too. Yeah, we, that kind uh, of divides like, the group into these are our people. These are not our people. Or those I, I like are that. people that are hidden. They're closeted our people. Because whenever I would go on the dance floor with my sisters when I was younger at these really, you know, like snooty parties during New Year's, they every year they would come back and be like, when are you guys going to come back? We need you back because we started the party. These people that were so stiff on the sidelines, as soon as we left the dance floor and they came out, they were wiling out. So like, Everyone wants to play. They just start like pushing themselves down. So then how do we play? So here is my suggestion. I have two suggestions, actually. Actually, I have many more, but let's start with just two. Um, So the first one starts uh, with my play mentor, Gwen Gordon, who says, you can't play 
until you soothe yourself, until you calm yourself down. And you actually adopt your nervous system in a way from the person that took care of you the most. So if they didn't know how to soothe themselves or they had a lot of anxiety, you actually adopt that. So you have to look at how did I get soothed? Who soothed me? How did I soothe myself? Was it in healthy ways or not healthy ways, right? So then identify how you soothe yourself. I love to take showers. When I take showers, I get a flood of ideas. When I dance in my room, I get a flood of ideas. Sometimes I wear a costume, I get a flood of ideas. As I go walking or I do morning pages, flood of ideas. So identify how you actually soothe or calm yourself, right? And then the second thing, and this is really difficult for us adults, is then get bored. And it's just like, what do you mean get bored? You know, I don't want to get bored. How can you get bored? Um, I never get bored. And it's like, what I mean by that is stop binge watching Netflix, stop being on social media. And I'm not talking about forever. I'm talking about for an hour. Heck, even 30 minutes. And if you say, oh, I don't have time to do that, look at your phone. Your phone tracks how many hours you've been on your phone. You're, you've been on your phone for four to five hours, okay? So you got time. There's time available, right? So, so identify, you know, okay, I'm bored. And then, because one thing we have to remember is that thoughts, we get bombarded with more information in a day than people in 1950 got in a year. And all that information is telling you, you're not enough, be so like someone else, buy this product, get on Amazon Prime, fill this void in your heart because don't show up as yourself. If anything, don't show up yourself. But if you're able to block all that noise out, all of a sudden you get really quiet, maybe even in a meditative state. And then, and then this inner child whisper shows up and it starts to whisper crazy scary and exciting things to you. And you know it's a good thing because it's both exciting and nerve wracking. And it's going to say something to you like start a podcast, like create a video, like hop on Clubhouse, like write a blog, like like reach out to that person you've put off contacting for six months. It's going to have you do the, ask you to do that thing. You'll be like, no, I don't want to do that thing. But like, just like, you know, uh, was it not Bilbo, but Frodo is going on an adventure. They both went on an adventure. They went on an adventure that they were both really scared to do, but also really excited to do. And if you follow your feet, follow your curiosity, it takes you to a magical place. That was magical. <laughs> that was great. No, I totally agree with you. I love it. Um, I think that that boredom factor, like you said, we don't allow ourselves to be bored anymore. Like we've been conditioned that you have to grab your phone and, and get to work and start whatever, you know, I blame my parents though. I mean, you know, in, when I was growing up and my children do this too, you don't say you are bored to my parents. <laughs> they will give you something to do. So I wonder if that's kind of where it quashed it. And like my kids do that too. They're like, Oh, my husband said he was bored the other day. My kids are like, you know what I mean? Well, 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 also we have to explore where, where play has been stilted. Right. And I think I've mentioned this before is, you know, by the time you reach the age of 18, you've heard the word 
No, 148,000 times, approximately 148,000 times. You've heard the word yes between eight to 10,000 times, depending on who raised you. So you are first dealing with that. Then you're should on all the time by adults when you're a kid, right? You know, you know you, you're should on by teachers, by your parents, by your aunt and uncle. They're telling you at six years old, you know, you should, you should go into uh, medicine. I'm six. Why are you giving me advice at, at six as to what I should do? You know, they are literally putting their own anxiety onto you as a kid. And then you get to your teen years where then you're getting inundated with all of this information that's telling you you're not enough. So it's such a rebellious, revolutionary act even to play, to be weird. So the second way in which you could play or, or rekindle some play in your, in your life is reach out to three to five of your closest friends Call them on the phone. I know that's crazy. Or maybe do a Zoom call, but actually speak to them, right? Don't just text them um, and ask them these two questions. What value do I bring to your life? Like, why are we friends? Like, what do I do for you? Why are we connected? You know, so the first question is, what value do I bring to your life? And then the second question is, when have you seen me come most alive? And another way of asking that is, when have you seen me most playful, most creative, most myself? right? So what value do I bring to your life? When have you seen me come most alive? Write down all the answers, get all the love that comes back because it's, you're going to get a lot of love of people being like, oh, you do this for me. And they're like, I didn't even know that I do that for you. Oh my goodness. You know, and you just keep hearing all of this stuff and then you write it all down and then you look at it and there's a pattern that will form and it will show you ways in which you can play. And then you go back to those same friends and you're like, hey, I love to play in this way. I love to actually recreate movie scenes in costume. Can you help me do that, Nate? And then they'll be like, yeah, let's do that, dude. And then you just do it. You just like you follow that because, again, it's not even about the actual result of the play it's the act of playing because you're practicing getting back into flow and actually tapping back into that inner child because that inner child always wants to play and it's just waiting for you to ask i love that it's always wanting to play it's just waiting for you to ask absolutely drop the mic drop the mic (laughs) that was great jeff no, you're right. And now I'm like thinking, I'm like, what do I want to do? And honestly, this, I, this is what I love doing. This is playing for me. So many other people go, oh, podcasts, like a hundred episodes. Is that a lot of work? And it's like, yeah. And sometimes playing is hard work. Exactly. You know? It's, it, it, it is, it's hard work. It's, it's not easy. I rather be, you know, laying on a beach somewhere, you know, sipping mimosas with my feet in the sand. That would be easier but this is fun. This is well, what I like doing. What's What's interesting, though, what you're talking about is what's actually happening in a flow state. So what's actually happening on the graph of flow is so uh, Dr. Csikszentmihalyi, he's like the doctor of flow. He's this positive psychology professor, would talk about how when the skill set matches the challenge perfectly, that's when you're in flow. So when you start a 
at the beginning, you have high anxiety because you're not, you don't have a lot of skill and the challenge is really difficult, right? And then when you've been doing something for a really long period of time, like a job for a while, then you have a lot of skill, but the challenge is not there anymore. You get that sometimes when you binge watch Netflix, like it's exciting for a little bit and then you're just like, I'm bored. But when the skill matches the challenge perfectly, like what you're saying with this, then, then all cylinders are moving. And then you're like, you're, then you feel fully alive and you're like, oh, I just, I could do this for hours. I could do this forever. You know, even if no one paid me. And that's what I always ask people. You want to know what would make you most successful? Ask yourself, what would you do if you knew you still would fail at this? Like what act would you do even if you knew you would fail? Because if you're willing to do that, then you're untouchable. And I give an example of that is like Tarana Burke with the Me Too movement. You know, she was being invited to the Emmys and the Oscars and everything. And she was up on stage at this one conference I was at. And she goes, I know you're bringing me to all these places, you know, but eventually I know you're just going to take that away. But I'm not here for the fame. Like I was doing this in church basements and at rec centers for 10 years when no one knew who, what my name is. And if, if I need to do that again, I will because I care about the work. I'm here for the work. I'm not here for all that other stuff. So when anyone is like shooting for virality or shooting to like, you know, get rich, like you're going to be so disappointed when you get there, man. Look at Michael Phelps, 23 gold medals. As soon as he got his last gold medal, went into depression. You know, I know a lot of rich people. They suffer from affluent deadness. And what I mean by that is like, they have everything. They can travel anywhere. They can buy anything. And they look dead in their eyes. They either are like so worried they're going to lose it all, or they have $5 million, but someone has $10 million, or they're just like disappointed because they thought when they got to this moment, they would be done. And they're not. And they're just, they're just sad. They're just sad. So, and then the worst part about it is then they post on Instagram how happy they are. They're like, look how amazing I am. Look at all the things I'm doing. And then I've asked them, why are you posting that? They're like, this is the only place in which I get validation for all of the work I've done to get up here. So they sell this lie to everyone that's down below. And then we're trying to get up there only to be disappointed when we get up there. So it's this cyclical cycle of nobody being happy. You know who's happy? The person that actually can be, that is willing to be present, that knows how to be present. Mm. The most centurions, the most people over the age of 100 live in like Okinawa and I think this one Greek island. Why? They chill. They have wine. They're fully present. They don't work a lot. They they care about their family and they're just doing whatever mm. makes them come alive. They're just following their curiosity. They're not looking to reach a certain result and then be happy. You're, you're totally right. Uh, the funny thing is whenever I do things that I'm like, oh, I'm having such a fun time, I always forget to take photos. I always forget to post yeah. it on social media because I'm having such a fun time. Right. And then afterwards, so it's it's really funny because my, my private life, I guess private life, it's not private. Like, oh, be public, have fun with friends, going on adventures. That usually doesn't end up on my social media. Because right. I'm in the moment when I'm there. I'm not like, oh, yeah, I, it's, it's after at the very end. I'm like, oh, we should take a photo because I don't know the next time we're going to see each other. It might be right. 10 years. Right. But we were having such a good time. I wasn't just like, oh, guys, look at this. It wasn't that ego talking. It was that play. It was, you know. I'm... Sorry. I don't know why. That... <laughs> 
Okay, yes. You're messing no, back but, into showing, Jeff. <laughs> but I, I agree with that completely because what made it magical? You being fully present. If at any moment you were like, hey, everyone, let's stop this magic to take a photo, magic's gone, right? Right. Just all of, all of that all of that beauty that you had. And, and I created this thing called the Fun Joy Play Index a few years ago, which actually reflects back on what are the fun joy play moments of last year? Because if you think at the end of, at the end of your life, what are you thinking about? Not how much money you made, not how many accomplishments you did or what accomplishments or all the accolades. You think of just the fun, joy, play moments. So why wouldn't we be spending more time creating those? So part of that index, I ask questions like last year in 2020, even during a tough year like that, when did you laugh the most? Who were you with? What was the most awe-inspiring moment for you? You know, when when did you smile and you just couldn't stop smiling? You know, who who are the people that you met last year in 2020 that brought that brought a whole new part of you to to this world that you know that excited you? Y'all are in that list, man. Like, come on. So, like, you know, so so let's celebrate those fun joy play moments. And then when you analyze those, then you think of what do I want to do in 2021 that recreates those same moments? One of my favorite moments was with uh, my colleague, Lauren Yee, when we would brainstorm stuff, sometimes we would do a tipsy storm where we had a little, some mimosas and you don't have to do mimosas. You can do whatever you want, you know, Swiss miss, hot chocolate, you know, cho- whatever you want, however you want to go. But we would have these brainstorms while like, you know, getting a little tipsy and we'd come up with so many cool ideas of like videos to make, projects to work on, workshops to create, because we were just having such a fun time. And we were like, we want to do more of those moments with our friends. And that's what we've been doing. We've been scheduling those fun, joy, play moments with our friends so that we can connect with them more and create those memories that that make life worth living. I actually have a, uh, a day planner type thing that I work on. And one of the questions that it asks you is, um, how will you feel at the end of the day if you accomplish something and you have already written down, who are you going to come in contact with? What are you going to do? And how are you going to make this an amazing day? And I think having that list of things that have made your day amazing in the past makes you want to do more of those. And I'm with Nate. Like every time I get together with my family, after everybody leaves, I go, oh, didn't get a picture. So that is a bummer. You do need to take at least one. Try and do it at least one. Right, right. Because you do need to have those memories to go back to and say, remember when we did whatever, you know. Right, right. But I even remember one one night I had this magical night with a bunch of people. We, I think I had broken up with someone and it was like rough for me. Another person had just gotten divorced. One person had just gotten over cancer. All of us were going through transition, right? And we all hung out and it was such a magical night. We danced in so many different places and we, you know, we danced in the street and we connected with all these people. We're high-fiving everyone. One of the people that was part of that group keeps coming back to me. He's like, when can we do that again? I'm like, you can't, can't, we can't recreate it's, it is in the, that's what makes it so magical is that it only happened that one time. Now, now what you can do though, to, is to enjoy that moment again, is to really describe it again to you or describe it to others and actually savor the moment. There's something about, 
there's a practice you can do where if you watch sunsets or sunrises for a week, you can actually slow down time because you, by not like taking photos of it, but just sitting there and really appreciating it, you start to savor this moment more and your brain starts to be like, oh, this is what we're doing now. I'm going to start doing that with our food. I'm going to start doing that when we're walking. It actually slows down time in your mind. And then one other thing you can do is, oh, and I love doing this, is um, I love to ask this question. My friend Desiree taught me this, which is when something good happens, ask with curiosity, how can it get any better than this? So I start my day with a crazy TikTok video. Ooh, how can it get any better than this? Ooh, then I hopped in this really interesting call with someone I didn't even plan on talking to. And he was like wearing all this Marvel stuff and we nerded out on Marvel, you know, you know, the universe. How can it get any better than this? Then, you know, then I was writing this article and I was getting really into it. And then I applied to this podcast and then y'all just texted me out of the blue and we're having this magical podcast that was never planned. How can it get any better? than this. I don't know if it can, but I'm curious about it. I asked myself that question. Now, what most people do is when they have a bad day, I challenge them. You did not have a bad day. You had a bad moment and thoughts last between nine seconds and 90 seconds. And you ruminated about that bad moment over and over again. And then you primed your mind to look for the next bad moment. And if you simply ask the question instead, how can it get any better than this? You will be positively priming your mind to look for the next amazing opportunity. I love it. And Jeff, you did make our day because we had a a guest scheduled. We had you scheduled for next week. We had someone scheduled and I was like, Nate and I were talking. I was like, man, what are we going to do? And I was like, hey, I'm going to text Jeff because I have really, really I just love talking to you. You just lift my spirits. You make me feel so good. I think that virtual events with you are so incredible. I would just blow my mind to be in one in person with you. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and um, for bringing your best. Yes. And can I goodwill hunt your people before I leave? Yes. Absolutely. I was about to ask that. So, yes. I might have told you this before, but I love that movie, Goodwill Hunting. And y'all have seen it, right? Yes. Yes. She- so Sheila. Sheila hasn't seen it. Oh, my goodness. Well, Sheila. How about them apples? <laughs> so, let, so let me. How, how about them apples, right? You know? How can it get better than this? I got to watch the movie. Student, you know, you know. Okay. So let me provide the premise of the movie. So, well, first off here, let me tell you two things if you're open to it. First. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck weren't stars when they made that movie. They actually were not getting any gigs at all. Like they were getting really small ones. Um, So they wrote their own movie to actually propel them into the industry. So they took this huge risk and then asked Robin Williams to actually join join the cast because they had a really good script and then they won best screenplay and that's how they became famous by just diving into it. But that's not the story that I want to share. The story of Goodwill Hunting is that Matt Damon is a genius in this movie. He is, he lives in Southie, he's poor beyond belief, but he's a genius and he can have any job he wants at any think tank he wants by the end of the movie. And near the end of the movie, he's sitting at a construction site working construction with Ben Affleck's character. And Ben turns to him and he's just like, when are you going to take one of these high paying jobs, right? Because you can have any of these jobs, you know? 
and Matt goes, I'm not, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work construction. Uh, we're going to raise our kids next to each other. You know, I'm going to take them to Foley field and watch them play baseball. And that's just what we're going to do. And Ben turns to him and he goes, if I see you here in 20 years, I'm going to kill you. Like I'm literally going to kill you. And he goes, what, what, what? I owe it to myself. And he's like, no, you owe it to me because I'm going to be stuck here in 20 years and I'm okay with that. But you, you are sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash it in. And every one of your listeners is sitting on a winning lottery ticket. And they're not, this is, they're not cashing it in for themselves. This is not about you. It has nothing to do with you, actually. It's about the fact that you need to do your thing in order to give permission for someone else to do their thing. You need to show up so that they can show up. If Sheila and Nate don't create this podcast, take a risk, put themselves out there, make a hundred episodes. They could have given up at any time, but they kept showing up. I wouldn't be able to show up at this very moment. So now my question to you is, what is it that makes you come alive? And are you ready to show up? Because the world needs you to show up in order to change this world. So it's time. Are you now ready to show up? Yes. Sorry. Yes. Help it. <laughs> and I am ready as well. And I hope all of you listeners also just shouted yes from the rooftops because how can you not after all of that? I am ready to show up. I am ready to go play every day and ask myself, how can it get better? especially after those bad moments, those bad things that happen to us, because we all have hardships in our life. We right. all do. We all have those bad things that happen. So after those happen, don't say, how can it get worse? Ask, how can it get better? Because it can always get better. Always. Especially no matter how good you are. Think about it, 2020 is over. So how can it, it's definitely going to have to get better. <laughs> so how it, can it get better? So it's just, how can it get better? Let's find those ways yeah. to get better. So cool. Jeff, Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I know it's just going to keep getting better. Uh, so thank you so much. You have been Ooh, great. Thanks so much for having me. Natural prize. <laughs> thanks for listening to today's episode of The Messy Backend. We know, we know you can't get enough of us. So have us on your podcast or have us speak at your next event. Visit themessybackend.com slash speaking and send us your event details. It's true. We love speaking. And we also want to thank our sponsor, Yes, Women's Network, where you will find the connections you need to achieve your dreams. Find out more at yeswomensnetwork.com. Also, our advertiser, PodServe FM. We couldn't do it without them. They get your podcast hosted and published quickly and easily. Visit them at podserve.fm slash messy to find out more. And a thank you to our advertiser, Thrivecart. They are the number one shopping cart software that grows your income from existing traffic with high converting checkout pages, upsells, and affiliate campaigns. Watch the video for how simple this cart solution is at themessybackend.com slash cart. Once again, don't miss an episode. Head on over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today. Yeah, that's that's how I said. So I, I know I know Sheila, this is exactly how you thought the conversation was gonna go. That we were gonna <laughs> we're gonna explore this. She's like, are we gonna get to the thing? Oh, uh, I what? think you tiggered. 
I mean, if we're busting well, all of animals, then I mean, I got a few different ones that I'm going. Now into Are our you ex- recording? Yes, Sorry. I'm recording. I just want to make sure, okay? I'm recording. I want to make sure you are. I'm too. also recording on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I feel like I should turn on my phone, record, like, I'll text my friends over at the NSA, they'll turn on our satellites, record, like, we'll record all directions. Okay. 